Hello, everybody. We are back. It's great coming to you again in the times that we're living in. This is kind of a new normal for us, but praise the Lord that we have such avenues as these to be able to minister to you across the board, whether that's on YouTube or Facebook, uh, on our website, etc. We're just glad to be with you again. We hope you're doing great during this time. We keep praying for you and we all pray that this pandemic will be wiped out and God will turn this thing back and give the, the leaders of our nation, the people in the medical field, just great insight and wisdom and turn it back. Today, though, <clears throat> I want to talk to you about peace again. We're in the series, Peace in the Panic. But today I want to talk to you about perspective, peace in perspective. And let me begin by saying this. My father, who passed away um, 30 years ago, uh, he left me a pistol. That's right, a pistol. I think it's a World War II issue. I'm not sure, but I think it is. He was in World War II. And it still works great. I've taken it to the firing range and uh, had a great time with it, except for one problem. Uh, the rear view on it, it slides back and forth. And so because it does, it throws off my perspective to the point that sometimes I just don't hit the bullseye. Not that I'm a good shot or anything. I don't shoot that much. It's rare. But sometimes I don't even hit the whole paper <laughs> because my perspective is off because of that rear view. Let me tell you something about your life and mine. Perspective is important. And when our view is off, our proper perspective is off, we're not going to hit the targets in life. We're going to have an improper perspective. In other words, we may have panic instead of peace, which is a big, big deal. We could have in our life fear instead of faith. And we got to be careful with that. So perspective is really important because I want to be able to trust God and not live in terror. And so we've got to get that slide right. We've got to have that proper perspective in our lives so we walk in the right mindset, the Christ-like mindset. Now, let me take you back um, 3,400 years to an Old Testament Jewish scripture story found in an Old Testament letter called Numbers. In Numbers chapter 13, Moses, as they've now gotten close to the promised land, he sends out 12 spies. If you've been in church any length of time, you kind of know this story. They go up because God has already promised them the land. It's theirs for the taking. But Moses, the great strategist that he is, and he's got a general Joshua, he's going to go in as one of the 12 spies. He says, let's look at the terrain. Let's look and see what's there because we don't want to go in blind. <clears throat> They sent out 12 spies. They spy out the land. They come back after so many days. And uh, the report comes in. <clears throat> Joshua and Caleb, two of the 12, say, by all means, we should take the land. It is ours. And it's filled with a lot of good stuff. But 10 of the spies, they bring back what's called a bad report. And they say things like, there's no way, even though it is a good land, there's no way. There are giants in the land, the Anakim are there, the Nephilim. And we feel like we're just little in their eyes, so no way. And they brought out a bad report. And because they did, the people, the two million people in tow there, they hear the bad report, they freak out, they don't want to go in, they feel like God has brought them there to die. But the two say, no, by all means, we should go in and take it. Now, listen, guys, as a result of that, because they listened to the 10 spies, um, they will wander 
40 years in that desert. That's why they wander. Because they listen to the perspective of the 10 fearful guys instead of the perspective of the two courageous, faith-filled, trusting God, believing God's word, because what is written is better than what is reported. They trust that they didn't listen to the two, therefore they wander for 40 years. And that's how it all began, the wandering there. Say this with me. Proper perspective produces peace. Say it again. Proper perspective produces peace. Now, all, to, all in one line. Proper perspective produces peace. It is true then. It is true right now. So today, I want to widen your perspective from just an earthly perspective, follower of Christ. And if you're not a follower of Christ, pay close attention because I'm going to widen it out to an internal perspective. We're going to go beyond the physical to take you to the realm where perfect peace does surpass all our understanding, all of our natural way of thinking. Now, today is a great day. You know why? Palm Sunday. That's right. Palm Sunday. This weekend is the Palm Sunday weekend. Jesus rides into Jerusalem. Now, you got to get the, the mindset of what's going on here. Because there are two, two groups that are proceeding into Jerusalem that day. On the one hand, you have thousands of sheep that are being driven in by the Bethlehem shepherds, and they're coming there, <clears throat> and they're coming to die. They're unwilling participants coming to die to cover sins of the people, cover, not cleanse, for one year. On the other hand, you have the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, coming in, and He's the perfect sacrifice. He's coming to give His life. He's a willing participant to die, and His life is going to cleanse away sins forever. Now think, these sheep being driven in when they're first born, because they had to be perfect to be able to be sacrificed to cover sins, the, the shepherds would take them, because you know they're all wobbling when they're first born, and make sure they didn't mark themselves up by falling because they're so wobbly, because they had to be perfect. They'd wrap them in swaddling or strips of cloth until they got stronger. Ah, Jesus at his birth, we know, was wrapped in swaddling or strips of cloth at his birth. They wrapped people in strips of cloth when they died. And when Jesus died, he was wrapped in strips of cloth. So it's significant that the sheep who are wrapped in strips of cloth and Jesus wrapped in strips of cloth, signifying they're going to die. Jesus is coming to die. It gets more interesting even than that. Jesus, as he is coming in to the city, he's coming in uh, um, from, he was born, I should say, in Bethlehem. The sheep are coming in from Bethlehem. Whoa, Bethlehem means, in Hebrew, house of bread. But the Arabian countries surrounding Israel, the, the Arabic language, Bethlehem means house of meat. Well, that's fascinating because one day Jesus said, my, my bread is my flesh, bread and meat. In Hebrew, Bethlehem, house of bread. In Arabic, house of meat. Is there a message there? I think so. I think when Jesus says, my bread is my flesh, he's connecting east with west. That when the church is born, you and I, we connect everything together. That all peoples are welcome into the house of God. We reach out to every one of them. Now, here, here's what I'm, uh, I'm coming to tell you. The big truth is, 
Jesus is coming into that city that day, a willing participant. He's coming to die, and he's not afraid. That's what I want to talk about today. He's not afraid to die. And that is the eternal perspective that dwells in him that you and I need to have. And we have to have it as followers of Christ. So today I'm going to use his words. And I'm going to give you a message that maybe you weren't bargaining on today, but you have to have this perspective, especially in times like this. Now, pause. Let me read our key verse for this series, Peace and the Panic. And it's found in John 16, 33. And it says this. These things, this is Jesus speaking, these things I've spoken to you so that in me, in Jesus, you may have peace. In the world, meaning the system, the way the world is, you have tribulation. Not so fun, huh? But take courage. I have overcome the world. So I have a choice. I can be in Jesus in my perspective or I can be in the world in my perspective. One gives peace, one tribulation. Ah, that's the choice of today. Which perspective am I going to live in? Is it going to be the one in Jesus or the one in the tribulation? In tribulation, I should say. Now, Matthew chapter 10, turn there if you would. Now, we're going to pick up at verse 28, but I got to give you a lead in because we're going to look at a, a peaceful perspective people because perspective is everything in this message. In Matthew 10, just to give you a foundation for why Jesus is going to say what he's going to say when I get there. In verse 1 of chapter 10, Jesus tells us what a disciple looks like, acts like, tastes like, feels like, smells like. People ask, what is it? What is a disciple? Three things he says there. In verse 1 he says, you have a calling. That's every follower of Christ. You have a calling. If you're doing nothing about it, you're missing the boat here. That's called a sin of omission. You're omitting what you should be doing. That's the first thing. You have a calling. The second thing you have, he says, is you're to battle the demonic. You say, the demonic, where? Watch the news one night. It's demonic all over the place. Look at the evil in the world. Look at all the things that are going on. Not just the pandemic, look at everything else. We're to battle the demonic. And the Bible clearly teaches New Testament that the, that the devil has blinded the eyes of the people who are not following Christ. We're to pray and break through those things and at any opportunity that God gives us, share our faith with people. So we battle the demonic. And the third thing he says of a disciple is we are to bring the healing of Jesus to people. And that is salvation first and foremost. That is the healing of the soul in eternity. That's what we're called to do. Now, when he says that in verse 1 of chapter 10 of Matthew, then he goes on to talk about all the persecutions and the dangers and the troubles that they will encounter as they spread the good news out. And in some cases, they will die. They'll be martyred. They'll be killed. And that still happens today. So in all of it, he's telling them, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. Which brings us to point one today in our notes. And you can download, get those notes online. Also, you'll see them. Now, number one, do not fear. Matthew 10, 28. I'm going to just read the first three words first because we'll read the rest of it in point two. He says, Jesus says, do not fear. Say it with me together. Do not fear. Okay, so the question is, why shouldn't I fear? Preacher, why shouldn't I fear? Okay. I want you to turn, keep your, we're coming back to Matthew 10, but turn to Psalm 139, if you would, please. Turn to Psalm 139. 
because it's an interesting little thing we're going to read here. In Psalm 139 and verse 16, watch what the psalmist says. He says in verse 16, Your eyes, meaning God's, have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written. What was written? The days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Okay. Why shouldn't I fear? The psalmist says this, God sees. This he's talking about when he was in the womb. He's talking about God's relationship with people in the womb, guys. Yeah, that's what he's talking about. That whole thing. You back up three or four verses, you read the whole thing. He says, God, you saw my frame in the womb. You saw my unformed limbs when they were not fully formed yet. Let me tell you something cool. Last week, I've got, I got to see my second grandchild. Not born yet, but in that sonogram, I saw the video they showed you. I saw, I saw that child in the womb. At 16 weeks, I, I saw him or her. They were moving their arms. I, you could see the fingertips as they pressed against it. I could see the, the head. I could see the skull. And, I, and they were moving their arms all over the place. I, I think I saw something of a Latin preacher in there. Yeah. I, I saw him 16 weeks. Now, with all the love and compassion I have, let me segue right now and say, Somebody is watching me out there right now. And I just want to talk to you. Not condemn you, but I just want you to think just for a second. Please, don't turn me off as soon as I make these statements because I'm just going to do a little short thing and come back to what I'm talking about today. God has placed the sacredness of every life above all else. Every, every human is created in the image of God, and that's sacred. Now, we live in a day where babies are aborted in the womb. I saw my grandchild in there at 16 weeks. As alive as alive can get, I saw the limbs, I saw the fingers, I saw the head. David in the psalm said that God is with us at the moment of conception. God is with us. If you back up to verse 13 in Psalm 139, he, He's with us there. And so from my heart, I just want to plead with you. If you are contemplating something like an abortion right now, please rethink. Please. Listen. Listen. We think in America, from a natural perspective, that the economy is what matters most. It matters but not most. From God's perspective, morality matters most. And throughout history, nations that offer their children as sacrifices, and there were nations, and that's one of the reasons why the Israelites had to drive out people out of the promised land, because they were doing that. But those nations erode from the inside out. I don't want that for my country. I don't condemn you if you have an abortion in the past, God forgives you. In fact, your baby, your unborn baby, is in heaven. Place your faith in Jesus, and you'll see that kid one day. And they won't be angry at all. 
and you'll spend eternity with them. Isn't that something how God can redeem even that? But listen, just think about this. When they say, and this is one of the big cliches and statements, that a woman should have a right over her own body, what she chooses. Okay, take the essence of the statement. If a person has a right over their own body, shouldn't that baby that I saw in that sonogram move it around with fingers and head and everything, they have a body, shouldn't they have a right to choose over their own body and not have somebody else choose? I think so. I think so. So please, please rethink future decisions. And let's not offer our kids, our unborn babies at the altar of convenience in our life. That's all I want to say about that. Not here to condemn you, but just here to plead with you. And that one day maybe we'll see this thing overturned in our country and get us on the right moral path again. Now, let me come back to what I'm talking about. In Psalm 139, verse 16, David makes an important statement of why we do not walk in fear. And why is that? Because he says, when we were being formed in our mother's womb, when we were being formed in, in our mother's womb, the days were ordained for us when there is yet not one of them. In other words, before I was ever born or you were ever born, God ordained a time frame for every one of us. Now, why do I not walk in fear, follower of Christ? Why do you not walk in fear, follower of Christ? Because your days have been ordained by God. And the word days there means a division of time. Isn't that amazing that God has a division of time for you and I before we were ever even born? Say this with me. A slice of time has been sliced out for me. A slice of time has been sliced out for me. Altogether, a slice of time has been sliced out for me. And that is a fact. Now, let me give you a story that those of you who have been at New Beginnings for 25 years plus, because the church is 28 years old, uh, about three weeks ago now, it's the story of the barbecue. Some of you remember it. Those of you who don't, here it comes. Olivia and I, we bought our first barbecue when we got married and... Uh, it got, I think it was our first one, maybe it was our second one, but we had this barbecue back in the 90s, and it got to the point where it wouldn't ignite with the igniter anymore, and Olivia one day said to me, Jim, would you light the barbecue because I'm afraid it's going to blow up on me, and I'm thinking, you want me to die? And she said, well, yeah, it'd be better. No, she didn't say it'd be better. No, she, she said, here's what she said. She said, Jim, I know God has a lot more for you to do in this life. So if you light it, because you had to do the long stick, light it, if you light it, nothing, nothing bad going to happen. It's not going to blow up. But if I light it, it's going to blow up on me. I'm thinking, let me get this straight. You're saying that God has a slice of time sliced out for me, therefore I can't die right now. But for you, he doesn't. <laughs> That's what she's saying. But the truth is, God has a slice of time sliced out for every one of us. Therefore, I have no fear. I have no fear. Look, do I want to die? No, not at all. But I'm not going to fear death. I'm not going to fear those things right now. That's the first thing. Do not fear. The second thing about peaceful perspective people is this. Know that physical death is not the end. That's great. Now, let's go back to Matthew 28. Now, watch this. 
He says, the whole verse in 28 says, do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable, means no power, unable to kill the soul. Ah, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. What? Now, okay, okay. Jesus now makes a very clear distinction that you and I and every person on the planet, we are made up more than just the physical. There's more than just the natural realm. The naturalist only believes in the natural, but Jesus says there's more to it. You have a physical body and you have a soul. That immaterial part of you that dwells in this physical body right here. There's two distinct parts. You go to 1 Thessalonians 5.23, you find your spirit, soul, and body. You're a three-part being. Now watch what Jesus said. Do not fear anyone or anything that can only kill your physical body. Fear the one who can kill your physical body and your soul in hell, which means Jesus does believe there is a hell. Oh yeah, he created it for the devil and the devil's angels, the fallen ones. Humans were never meant to go there. Humans choose to go there by rejecting Jesus and his blood that can wash away their sins. It's just that simple. God did all the love and all the concern and all the care and all the work to die on a cross and rise from the dead to give you a way out. But you don't have to follow him. You don't have to love Jesus. You don't have to. He's not going to force anybody. But you will choose your destiny on that one right there. Now, <clears throat> the only one that can kill the immaterial part of me, the soul and spirit, the only one is Jesus. So that means as a follower of Christ, when my physical body either dies from old age or something happens that I die, I'm going to live on, buddy. I'm living on because I believe in the one who rose from the dead, Jesus Christ. It's just that simple. Now listen, I'm going to talk to just followers of Christ right now. Listen, listen. either you believe what we say at Christian funerals or you don't. Oh, they're in a better place. They're a, they were a follower of Christ? Yes. Oh, they're in a better place. So much. Do we grieve? Yes, we grieve. But do we believe they're in a better place? Yes, we do. Because of Jesus. Physical death is not the end of our lives. The proper perspective is, I have a soul and I have a spirit that's going to live on forever. Now, let me show you a verse that I use. 2 Timothy 4, 6. I use this all the time in every funeral for a believer who has passed away, a believer in Christ. 2 Timothy 4, 6 says this. For I, this Paul speaking, New Testament guy, hated Christians, has an encounter with the risen Christ, becomes a Christian. He's the darling of all the scholars, both uh, uh, Christian and skeptic and atheist of New Testament scholars. He's the darling, man. They believe in this guy. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. He says, meaning I'm, I'm, I'm close to dying now. And the time of my departure has come. He calls death a departure. Okay, but the Greek word is interesting that he uses. It means it's the idea of troops packing up tent, marching on to a different location and resetting up their tent. What does he mean then? The death for the believer is. It's not the end. You're just moving to another location. That's the proper perspective. The death for the believer is simply a change of locations. 
Now, point three, peaceful perspective people have placed their faith in the eternal one, Jesus Christ. Now watch what Jesus says in Matthew 10, verse 32 and 33, and he says this, Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, if we deny Jesus, he's not the Savior, he's not the Messiah, I do not believe he rose from the dead, he is not God in the flesh, I don't need him in my life, whoever denies me, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Hmm, okay. I don't have a Sam's Club card, but I do go in there on occasion. How do I get in there? In fact, these glasses, I got them there about eight to ten months ago. How did I go in without a Sam's Club card and go in there with my prescription and get fitted and everything else and I bought glasses for myself at Sam's Club? How did I get in there and do that? Well, Olivia has a card. So when she walks in, and she flashes the card, and the guy there nods, and I'm right with her, I go, hey, Slick, I get to go right in. Why? Because I'm with the person who has the card. She's part of the club, and I'm allowed entrance into Sam's Club. Let me tell you what Jesus is saying. When you confess Jesus as Lord, when you make him the God of your life, when you decide that he is the Savior, the only Savior who died on a cross for you and shed his blood to forgive you of sin, and now you're going to follow him as the only God, guess what? The Spirit of God comes to live in you. You are a child of God. And now, because of him and your faith in him, you have entrance into heaven. That when you finally die, whenever that is, when your slice of time is out, then you have entered Jesus flashes a card, which is his life, which is the blood of Jesus, and you're allowed in. That's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the right perspective. That's the way you want to live. That's the follower of Christ perspective. Man, I'm not going to fear anyone who can kill my body, but I will fear the one who has the power over my soul and spirit, not just my body, and that's Jesus. But I put my faith in him. Many of you have. Now, back to the story where Jesus is coming in Jerusalem, he's riding in on that little colt, and there are thousands of lambs being driven in by the Bethlehem shepherds, and here comes Jesus. He's coming in, he's the willing participant, knowing that he's gonna die later on that week. He knows he's coming to die. Watch his perspective. In Hebrews 12, 2, here's what it says of his perspective. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith, meaning he's the root, he's the branch, he's the beginning, he's the end. Who for the joy set before him, he endures the cross. What? Despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. It says, I'm to fix my eyes on Jesus. That's my perspective. That's what I'm looking at. But notice what it says about Jesus. That he had joy set before him. Therefore, he could come in and he could die for us. 
because in the afterwards, in the eternal part, He sits at the right hand of the Father. There is an afterwards. There is an eternity. And He had joy even in death because there is more to life than just this physical body. Now, you all know at New Beginnings, I'm a movie guy. And here's one of my favorite lines to tell you about a movie. I gave you nine years to watch this particular movie. And the movie, this time, it's a movie called In Time. And I really like different concepts like this. Now let me tell you what it's about. <clears throat> it's about time. Time's our most important commodity. But in this movie, which is fascinating to me, you had the ability to either give up time and lose that time or input more time into your life. And you got to kind of play into the fantasy fiction role to believe that's possible, obviously. But here's what was fascinating about the movie. Those with very limited time, day, couple days, they're always running in the movie because they're always making sure they got to find more time, they got to dig up more time, they got to get more time. So they're always running in fear. There's no peace. But the people, some of them had a thousand years of time. In fact, there was a whole community of people that had so many years of time, thousands of years of time. You know, in that community, no one ran. They all walked. When they drove their car, they didn't even drive it fast which would drive me crazy, but they drove slow because they're not in a hurry because they had plenty of time. Plenty of time. Now listen to me, follower of Christ. You're going to live for eternity because you've placed your faith in Jesus. You will never run out of time. Oh, the physical body is going to die. At some point, it's going to die. But there's no fear in that because you've placed your faith in the one who has your eternal soul. So you don't have to run panic and be fearful. Yeah, you use wisdom today, but you have a lot of time. You have all of eternity. Now, let me talk to you out there. You're not a follower of Christ. In fact, I don't know how you tune in here. Maybe somebody had you tune in. Maybe you're sitting with somebody at the house right now. But listen, Jesus loves you. He gave his life for you. Willingly. He saw the predicament that you and I were in. He comes here. This is God coming to earth. He takes on human flesh. Specifically for a purpose. To go to a cross and to carry your sins and mine. They brutalize him. His blood is spilled everywhere. But that blood of that perfect sacrifice of which he was is what washes away your sins and mine, if we allow it to. He dies. He's buried. Three days later, later, he rises from the dead. No one expected that, not even his followers. He overcame and conquered death. And now anyone who puts faith in him, they live forever in eternity with Him after they die. I'm going to offer you that right now. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus, man, today's a day. Today's a day. 
or if you walked away from Jesus, come back. Rededicate your life. Come on, let's get on with the show. Become a disciple. You have a calling. You're battling the demonic. You're bringing healing to people. Let's get back in the program because this world needs Jesus Christ. But if, but if you've never put your faith in Christ to become a follower and you'd like to, or you need to rededicate your life, just simply in faith, repeat this prayer that I'm going to say right now. And as you repeat it, believe in Jesus as the only God, Messiah, and Savior. Here we go. Repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you would die in my place, for shedding your blood to forgive my sins. Forgive me of my sins, and I know I'm forgiven. I give you my life. I place my faith in you. I am now a follower, and I will follow you forever. Thank you for saving me. And whenever I die, I move on to eternity with you. And that's going to be glorious. Now let me pray for you. God, I just pray for those who said that prayer. I pray that you follow up. Get, get, a, get a Bible. Read the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John stay in what's called the Gospels. Talk to a Christian. They'll help you in that. Please do that. Just stay there for a long time. Keep, keep watching uh, uh, services online, Bible studies online. When everything gets back to normal, jump into a church. If you're from another state, jump into a church. One that teaches you the Bible, that worships God. Jump into a small group. Get to know people. Start to serve and share your faith with others who do not know Jesus, whenever the opportunity is given to you. I'm just thankful for you now. Thankful for you now that your soul is now recorded in heaven with Jesus Christ. God bless you. Well, that concludes our time today. It's been a lot of fun once again uh, ministering to you. And uh, I just can't wait to see you in person um, whenever that may be again. But it's my pleasure and a blessing to me to be able to minister to all of you. Hey, God bless you. We will see you when we see you.